You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Wow, what a, what a great welcome and great introduction. It's just so great to be with you here at uh, Bayshore, at the Gumborough Millsboro uh, campus here. Of course, we welcome all of the Gumborough family from Fenwick Island. We are so glad uh, that you're joining us. And anyone that's joining us online this morning, we just want to say uh, welcome to them. Come on, let's let them know. We appreciate them being a part of the family here today. It is. It is so, so uh, great to be here. I bring you greetings from Tyler, Texas. Uh, a couple of people have been to Tyler, Texas, we found out during our kind of our, our morning time out there. So uh, it's great to uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, I'm so honored uh, to be here at Bayshore, but uh, especially honored today to have uh, with me my wife, Yvette. Uh, Yvette waved everybody and our son. All right. And our son, Bradley. Bradley's here. and We've got a beautiful... Yeah, because of our kids, we've got grandkids. We've got a, a great group of grandkids there. Uh, some There they are. Yeah, look at that. Aren't they amazing, right? Of course, everybody knows that grandkids are, yeah, give them a hand. Grandkids are reward for not killing your kids, right? So that's, uh, so we're, we're a I'm excited about that. It is, it is, it is such a blessing to be here, to be able to be here with Danny and with Karen, and uh, we do. We uh, love them so much. They really are some of our dearest, best friends in the whole world. We've, uh, as you know, many of you know, Danny led me to the Lord uh, years ago, and uh, and I just, um, it's changed my whole life. There's not, we just enjoy our time with them. We enjoy uh, just um, the times they come to Texas, but being here. And so again, thank you all for being here today. We are so glad that you're here and um, just love you and look forward to what God wants to do today. Amen. So why don't we just start with prayer, shall we? Father, we love you so much. God, thank you, Lord, for just letting us experience your presence as we worship today. It is such an honor, Jesus. To have you at the center of our lives, to live on our lives, uh, to rule in our lives. Holy Spirit, we welcome you today to come and just do in us uh, all that you desire to do in us so that you can do everything you want to do through us. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Uh, Hey, wasn't worship great this morning? Man, come on, let's give them a hand. Man, thank you guys. You did fantastic, fantastic. So, uh, so I'm honored to be able to continue uh, the Faith of the Flawed series. You know, last week, Pastor Danny mentioned that one of the great things about the Bible is that it doesn't whitewash its heroes. It kind of puts all of their faults, all of their failures, their shortcomings, their flaws uh, right out there in front of God and everybody, right? So it doesn't try and sterilize them, clean them up, make them all look like they've never done anything wrong. They're just real people. They're real people, and, and God lets us uh, see their stories. Now, the purpose for that is not to kind of shame those people or embarrass them, but the, the purpose of it is for our benefit. It's for, uh, so that we can glean from their lives, so that we can learn from their mistakes and not have to repeat them. How many people know that's part of maturity, right? Learning from other people's mistakes and not having to make them all yourself, okay? So today, we're going to take a look at one of the greatest lapses of faith in the entire Bible. 
We're going to look at uh, the story and focus on our great champion, Peter. Okay, if you've read the Bible, all you know about Peter, one of the great disciples there. As uh, Jesus comes to the end of his life, the end of his ministry here on earth, he, um, he does something special. He brings all of his disciples together, and, and, and during this time, he reiterates to them many of the things that he had talked about and taught them while he was walking on the face of the earth. He also began to prepare them for the things that were coming in just a, just a few days. Matter of fact, in some cases, just a few hours. He also spent very special moments with these men who would be responsible for carrying on his work and for continuing the work of the kingdom of God uh, that, uh, that we enjoy today. They, they were the foundation upon which we are, uh, that we are built. You know, one of the most special times that we get a glimpse of when we think about these last days of Jesus is when he brought all the disciples together and they go into this room and they, they have a meal and they have some fellowship and, and they're just talking and asking questions. And then Jesus kind of gets up in the middle of this whole event and he takes his, uh, puts a towel around him and he washes the disciples' feet. You know, he tells them, I'm here to serve and you guys are going to go serve. And then he, then he um, breaks the bread. You remember when he does the first communion, he says, here, take this bread. This is my body. Eat my body, which that was a whole new concept to them. And then drink this cup because in this cup is my blood. Well, that, that's a whole new thing. Jesus is, is, is launching communion. He's launching the Lord's Supper. He's teaching them some, some very, very special things. And then uh, in one point, he pulls Peter kind of up close to him. And here's what he says. In Luke 22, it says that, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times. Now, uh, there's some really interesting things that go on in that section of Scripture. First of all, when somebody talks about sift as wheat, anybody remember a little flour sifter? Did, did your grandmother or somebody have one of those little flour sifters? You know, that's, that's not really what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about when they used to separate the wheat and the chaff, and they would, they would take pitchforks and they would throw it up in the air, and the wind would blow it apart, blow it away, and the good stuff would remain. And, and what Jesus is really saying to Peter here, he's saying, you know what, Jesus, the, the devil wants to blow your life up. He, he wants to destroy your life. And although Jesus is talking to Peter, he's also talking to those that were there that night, and I believe he's kind of talking to us as well. He's saying, hey, listen. Uh, the devil is out to get you. He wants to destroy you. He, does anybody know that? He wants to destroy your life. He, he wants to destroy your purpose in life. He, he wants to steal from you everything that he can possibly steal from you. Every dream, every hope that you have, every, every plan and purpose that you have, every desire that you have for God, every, everything that you might want to accomplish in the kingdom of God, the, the enemy wants to steal this. He wants to destroy this. He's saying to him, he wants to corrupt every relationship. He's wanting to kill every good thing in you that God has started. The devil's not your friend. <laughs> okay, let me say it again. The devil is not your friend. And he will use any influence. He will use any tool that he can. Things like anger and bitterness and unforgiveness and pride and lust and, and, and sin. He, he will use all of those things 
just to bring destruction and to bring death into our lives. And so Jesus going says, but Peter, listen, I've got good news. The good news is I have prayed for you. Now, aren't you glad today that we know that Jesus has, is seated at the right hand of the Father, the Scripture tells us, and that He's making intercession for us? Anybody glad that Jesus is praying for us? Man, I'm so glad for that. I'm so thankful to know that He is interceding for us. Now, now I think personally that Jesus should have just stopped right there. <laughs> I'm praying for you, Peter. Everything's going to be cool. But, but he goes on. You know, he, he doesn't stop there. And he, he says, hey, uh, now listen, I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And I'd be like, Peter, pray for everything not to fail, Lord. I, I want it to all keep working, okay? He says, well, and, and Jesus, what's that part about when I come back? Where, where am I going, <laughs> Jesus? You see, he didn't know what was in front of him. He didn't know what was going to take place. And for us to get the full picture of what takes place, we really need to consider the stories of the other Gospels as well. When you read through all four of the Gospels, you kind of get the full picture of what's going on. When we put them together, we see that Jesus is telling Peter and the rest of the disciples that they're really getting ready to have a hard time. They're going to stumble. They're going to be offended. They're going to be threatened. They're going to become afraid. They're going to deny Jesus. And ultimately, they're going to run as followers of Jesus. They're going to skedaddle. They're going to scatter like cats, right? So when Peter's response to this, if we... If we really looked, again, taking the whole, all of the Gospels into context, we'd see that, that he just doesn't stand up and make this statement. Then he becomes emphatic and he says, hey, listen, Jesus, let me, let me help straighten you out again. And, and remember, he's in front of all the disciples. He goes, look, if all these other losers, if they fail you, if, if they bail on you, if they, if they run, they, they might do that. You know, that's the way to win friends and influence people right there, isn't it? Yeah. He says, but not me, Jesus. Jesus, let me correct you. Let me, um, let, let me get you straight here on this. And you remember Peter kind of had a habit of that, didn't he? Jesus had, no, 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 no. You know, one minute, Jesus, one minute Peter's saying, Jesus, he's receiving revelation from heaven. Jesus, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus is going, good job, Peter. You got it right. You know, you heard something from heaven. And then a few minutes later, he's saying, oh, Jesus, you can't do that. You're, you can't go there. Bad things will happen. He's trying to be in control and take charge of everything. And Jesus has to stop him, has to rebuke him, say, get behind me, Satan. You know, Peter was always the one that was, um, that was just trying to put himself uh, out front there. Uh, a little bit arrogant, a little bit self-assured, a little bit self-reliant, pretty cocky. That would, that would sum up Peter, wouldn't it? At that point, Matthew says that all of the other disciples hearing this, they kind of got riled and they hey, wait a minute. And even though they were saying it to Jesus, I think they were really saying to Peter, hey, look, dude, you may think you're all that, but, hey, but Jesus, we're with you too. We're not going to fail you. So, so we're, everybody's in on this. And, you know, something I found that interesting was um, that the name Simon, who Simon Peter, we know him as Simon, actually means reputation. Don't you think that's a fitting name for, for him? Somebody who's always trying to build their reputation uh, throughout his time that he followed Jesus, he was always the one that was jumping out of the boat, you know, I'll walk on the water, and then he's doing all these things, he's putting forth his agenda, he's the one that's uh, always got something going on, always got something going on that's going to lift him up. So I, I think we see when we look at the life of Peter that, that he really loved Jesus, 
But he also put a lot of trust in himself. And ultimately, that's what tripped him up. You know, Jeremiah chapter 17 puts it like this. It says, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. It says, because that man has his heart has departed from the Lord. You see, trusting in self is a heart problem. It's a heart problem that opens the door for the work of the enemy in our lives. And and man, that's the last thing we want, isn't it? We don't need the enemy working in our lives. So we want, we want to keep our focus on Jesus. We want to make sure he's always at the forefront. He's always the one that's leading and ruling in our hearts. Well, at this point in our story, Jesus gathers the guys. He said, come on, guys, let's go up from this room. And he takes them out of this walled city of Jerusalem. And they walk up the hill. If you've been there, you've seen it where he, they walk up into the Mount of Olives. And there they go to pray. And, and, and they're praying. And, and Jesus is saying, hey, Peter and John, you come a little closer, a little further with me. And you guys pray so that you won't fall into temptation. He's really trying to help them out here. Jesus goes a little further in praise, and we know the Scripture said that it was such an intense time of prayer that, that his, he was in agony, and his, uh, his tears, his, prayer, his uh, sweat became as blood. It was a very, very, very difficult time. And he comes back, and he checks on the disciples, and remember what they were doing? They were sleeping, man. They'd, they'd eaten food. They'd had fun. They'd drank some stuff. And now, man, it was hard to stay awake. So Jesus, and about this time, while this is going on, we hear this rustling in the distance, and, and here comes uh, Judas, followed by some guards and a crowd of people, and they, they come to arrest Jesus. And, and this is where Peter jumps into action again. You know, he grabs his sword, and he starts, I'm going to help out, I'm going to control this Jesus, I've got this under control. Well, evidently, he really wasn't a very good swordsman. He was a fisherman, right? But he wasn't a very good swordsman because all he managed to do was just cut off an ear. You know, swinging for a head and he got an ear. <laughs> there we see it again. He's the one that's going to run the show. He's the one that's going to take care of things, trusting his agenda and his thoughts, trying to control things with his strength, enforce his will. And, and once again, Jesus has to step in. First of all, he, he heals the man. Touches his ear, puts his ear back on. But then he looks at Peter and he says, hey, Peter, that's not the plan. That's not the agenda. That's not what we're up to today. So he has to kind of realign and get Peter uh, refocused. Man, I know this has been a temptation for me from time to time. I'm probably the only one here today that's ever had that temptation to uh, maybe not cut off an ear, not to get into some type of a physical altercation, but there's been times when I, I took on the fight to strengthen someone out, maybe to be the voice of reason. Hey, guys, you, you need to do it this way. Here's the, here's the way we, we've got to do it. Maybe to beat someone down in a verbal discussion because of their lack of wisdom or their lack of understanding. They, uh, they, maybe somebody had a wrong attitude and, and God needed my help to straighten them out, right? Hey, God, let, let, let me give you some assistance here. Putting our trust uh, in ourselves. You know, when Danny and I were, um, <clears throat> were growing up, uh, we, did, we had a lot of great times and, and did a lot of wonderful things and did ministry. We actually worked together at different times. And, and he's taught me so much. I, I just um, I, I love him. I can't express how much I, I just value. My life would have never been the same. This year on December 7th, it will be 50 years ago that Danny led me to the Lord. And I'm, I'm so, so uh, thankful for that. And 
And I want to say thank you guys. Yeah, praise the Lord. Thank you guys for the times when you all uh, get, let Danny come down, Danny and Karen come down and be with us. And I, I know he comes back and tells stories about, man, I worked so hard and they, they made me preach and teach and, and lead. But, but from time to time, we also try to make sure that he has a little bit of fun. I think we've got a couple pictures here that uh, we try to take care of him so we can get him back here uh, there. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, I'm have to keep him away from some things, but um, then, uh, and then he there 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 he goes. So hey, just know that all of his time is is not just uh, wrapped up in in the Bible and prayer while he's with us. But um, but you know I've learned so much from him. He's been a great mentor, and, and consider he's he's a little bit older than I am. I, I just look at him like a father. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, I remember there would be times when you know, frustration would come, and, and, and I learned this from David. He said, you know what? If God would just give me a time out, just, just God, give me just three minutes, Lord. I can straighten this guy out. I can fix his problems. I could really help him understand. I could, I could put, you know, has anybody ever just wanted to have a time out with God? God, if you'll just let me have a time out, right? Well, I, I found out that it's, a, that it's better to trust God to trust God to do His work in His time and for His glory. Amen? Amen. Anybody else found that out to be true in your life? Amen. You know, God's had to teach me this lesson uh, time and time again over and over. I remember uh, it was mentioned that Yvette and I, when we first got married, and uh, this year, uh, on De in December, December 18th, Yvette and I will uh, have been wonderfully, happily married for 40 years. So uh, give her a big hand for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's going to have a big mansion in heaven, and I'm just glad I get to live in it. So, uh, you know, but, um, but I've had to learn this lesson. When we were in the Bahamas, there was one of the men of the church, and man, just a great brother, great friend. And all of a sudden, he, he just he stopped coming to church. And so a week or two went by, and I thought, what's going on with him? And so I, I went, and I, I, I met him, you know, went to his house to visit with him, and I said, hey, brother, man, I've just been missing you. And and I could tell something was a little different. There was some coolness, you know, some coldness there. And I asked him, I said, hey, man, is everything okay? And he's, yeah, yeah, everything's okay. And he was lying right through his teeth, you know. <laughs> you ever had somebody do that? Just You, you know they're lying, uh, right? They're, they're, they're just lying. I thought, this made me mad. I thought, I am going to wear him down. I'm going to love him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to care for him. I'm going to just keep coming to his door time after time after time. He's not going to get the best of me. I'm going to, and all of a sudden, I heard the Holy Spirit say, uh, hey, Sam, I've got a different plan. He said, I don't want you to say anything else to him. And, you know, for some people, that's really hard to do <laughs> just to keep our mouths shut, isn't it? He said, I don't want you to say anything else to him. But what I want you to do is every time you think about him, I want you to pray for him. Uh, it's one of my sayings here of late in life is uh, Talk to God more about the people and issues of your life than you do to them about God, right? And so I, I just kept praying for him. I prayed for him. And then after a several months, this went on for several months, and it really was kind of frustrating. But then after several months, you know what happened? One day he just showed back up. I thought, oh, this would be great. He'll give me all the explanations. He'll tell me what was going on. He'll fill in the details, you know. And he didn't. He, he didn't. And so I, I, I just went up to him, and I, I just gave him a big hug and told him I loved him. A little while later, he came up to me and still no definition, no information. He just said, hey, pastor, we, 
I want you to know, will you, will you forgive me? I said, brother, you've already been forgiven, man. And I love you. And, and I don't know how it all worked, but I know that this is what took place, that, that during that time, God knit our hearts together in a special way. It wasn't because of my efforts. It, it was because of the work of the Holy Spirit in me and in him. So I think um, we need to keep in mind that God's working even when we can't see how he's working. Isn't that a good thing to know? We want to make sure that we all continue to, to keep hearing from God and walking in the Spirit because sometimes, just sometimes it's really easy to step over into the flesh and to try to do things in our own strength, in our own way. All right. Let's look a little further into Luke chapter 22. Now, at this point in time, uh, they said having arrested Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house, but Peter followed at a distance. Let's at least give Peter credit for following, right? He didn't run and hide, and, but he kept following. It says, now when he had kindled a fire, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard, they sat down and Peter sat among them. So, so get the picture. Jesus is being taken into Caiaphas's uh, high priest's area and they're, they're kind of, uh, you know, torturing him and they're berating him and, and, and accusing him. And, and Peter's out in the courtyard sitting around with some other guys and they're warming their hands over these coals of fire. And while he's doing this, the scripture says that there in verse 56, a certain servant girl, a certain servant girl, not somebody special, but just this little lady came and, and, and how many times is it just the little things that kind of upset our lives? Not the big things. You probably don't have this problem here, but man, and the little things like traffic. Does anybody have any problem with traffic? Lord, help us, forgive us, right? <laughs> yeah, traffic, does traffic, bo traffic bothers me, you know, because everybody else is a crazy driver, and I just, uh... but this certain girl says that she saw Peter, and then she looked intently at him. The, the connotation of that in the, in the Greek language is that they made eye contact, and she looked at him and kind of pointed her finger and said, you, uh, this man was also with him. You'd think the great man of faith, Peter, would stand up with her. Yes, I was with him, but that's not his response. He says, but he denied, saying, woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, you also are of them. But Peter said, man, I am not of them. I'm not, I'm not with him. And, and Peter's intensity is growing. His denial is, is increasing. And then it goes on and it says, then after about an hour had passed, Another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow was with them, for he's a Galilean. They could tell by the way he talked, that he was different, that he wasn't one of them. And, and Peter's response is, is really astounding. He says, man, I do not know what you're saying. And it says that he began to curse, and really not just use profanity, but what he was doing is he was calling a curse down, saying, I'm telling you, may God strike me dead if I'm not telling the truth that I wasn't with this man. I'm not one of them. It's kind of an embarrassing situation there. Immediately, immediately, the Bible says, while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The rooster crowed and the Lord turned and he looked at Peter. Again, this look wasn't, he didn't just gaze in his direction. They made eye contact and he, he looked right at Peter and Peter saw him and it says, and then Peter remembered the word of the Lord how that Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And then Peter went out and he wept bitterly. 
Now, I, you know, I, I think if the story ended right here, it really would be one of the great tragedies of, of the Christian faith and of life. It'd be one of the great failures that we could read about, about one of the great men of God. But you know what? There's more to the story. Anybody here glad that with God, there is always more to the story? <laughs> There's always more to the story. Now, if you hear this story like I do, and if you, when you think about Jesus looking at Peter, if, if you see that Jesus looking at him with eyes of condemnation, like, like you loser, man, I knew that you were going to blow it. I knew that you were going to mess up. You're always a screw up. You're always the one. And, and now this is your biggest failure yet, Peter. Kind of, kind of that just, I'm so disgusted with you. And you know, that, that's honestly how for seasons of times that, that I thought about things. When I messed up, when I blew it and, and, and failed God or did something that wasn't uh, bringing Him glory. And I was like, oh man, I'm such a loser. Oh, I know God. And, and there would be shame. And I, I wouldn't want to lift my, I wouldn't want to look at, I wouldn't want to make con eye contact with the Lord because I felt so guilty and so bad and you know what, depending on maybe how you were raised or um, what things you've experienced in life, there may be times when you blow it, times when you've messed up and you, you think, oh man, God is just, he's just out to get me. He's watching me and, and he's just looking for me to kind of step on the crack. And if I step on the crack, then God's going to give me a whack. You know, God's, uh, God's looking for a reason to get me. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have thought that, have thought that through their lives, that he's this mean God with lightning bolts, and he's ready to stri strike people down. But can I tell you that if, if that's what you're seeing or what we're seeing, we're seeing the wrong Jesus. Because in Jesus, there is nothing of condemnation. He doesn't condemn us. As a matter of fact, the scripture says it like this in John 3, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world, he, they might be saved. Maybe you know Romans chapter 8, verse 1. What a wonderful scripture where it says that there is therefore now no condemnation. Say that with me. No condemnation. One more time. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. What we need to get is an understanding of this, that Peter wasn't, Jesus wasn't looking at Peter to condemn him. He wasn't trying to put him, push him away. Jesus was looking at him to remind him that even as Jesus is going through the worst moments of his life on earth, he still had his eye on Peter in his, in his time, in his bad and sick times. In Peter's worst time, Jesus was still there. You know, he was letting Peter know, I've got you. The plan's still on. No matter what's happened, I've still got a plan and I've got a purpose for you. I, I love this, that not only for Peter, but for us, and we want to hear this today, that in our worst moments, Jesus doesn't turn from us. Jesus turns to us. He comes to us. He runs to us. He's there for us. And he's there for you. He's there for me today. You know, Peter didn't understand it yet. But all of the pain and the punches, the suffering, the torture, the abuse, the mocking, the humiliation, the shame, everything that Jesus was enduring, it was for Peter's benefit. So that Peter could be restored, so he could be brought back, so, so he could fulfill his purpose. And it's true for us as well today. That everything that Jesus accomplished is for our benefit. I think we've got to understand failure is not the opposite of success. Failure is a part of success. 
That's something all of us need to understand. Now, I personally believe that it, that it was right for Peter to go out and to weep uh, bitterly. Um, and what that means is he, was, he, he, he wasn't just uh, trying to, you know, hide back. He was weeping. He was wailing. He, 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 his, his life had been broken. His heart had been broken. It, it was his breaking point. It was the place where, where all of the pride and all of the self-sufficiency and all of the arrogance and all, all that flesh was just pouring out of him. And as it poured out of him, it made room for God to fill him. It was a fresh place. It was a new place of humility for Peter. And can I tell you, humility is a wonderful thing because everything that we will ever get from God starts in a place of humility. We're not going to get it when we're filled with self, when we're filled with our own ability. You see, I believe that God will lovingly bring each of us to a breaking point. To a place where we can't trust in ourselves and our own strength and our own ability. A place where we, like Peter, will open ourselves up to the closeness and to the fullness of His presence in us. Let me tell you, God uses broken things. God uses broken things. I mean, it seems like a pattern that before something can be used, it's got to be broken. Does anybody remember the, the lady that comes to anoint Jesus and she has that little alabaster jar and... You know, that jar had to be broken before the oil could be used to anoint Jesus. It had to be broken before the fragrance could fill the room. So brokenness puts us in a place of usefulness. Maybe today there's somebody here that says, you know what, man, my life's been broken. I've, I've failed. I've failed at a, in a job situation. Maybe, I, you know, I've, I've lived for my job. Men, sometimes we can tend to do that, but... But I failed. Maybe there was a, a failed marriage that's gone on and, and, and never planned for that to happen. But I failed in a marriage. I failed in some type of a, you know, I started an endeavor and a business and it went under and, and COVID and all the other things that combined to, to bring me to a place of failure. But you know what? Failure's not final. Maybe there had been some kind of a moral failure in a life. And, and that thing tries to mark you and say, hey, that's who you are. And, but maybe what you did, but it's not who you are today, man. And, and I don't know why, but it's had this prompting to think, maybe if you've been in ministry, I tried ministry, I stepped out there, I was, I was in the middle of it, but, but it just didn't work out and I failed. I'm just telling you that that, that that may have been what happened, but it's not who you are. You see, sometimes this brokenness, it really does hurt. It, it really hurts us when we, in, in, you know, a, a few, a couple of months ago, um, the grandkids came over to the house. I, lo I love one of my, my favorite things, walking in the house and have the grandkids yell, pop, you know, and come running. And man, we do all kinds of things. We eat and we play and uh, we do Nerf wars, right? Anybody Nerf guns and stuff? How many people got Nerf gun bullets all over your house? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're right, right? And, and, and so we have a great time. But ultimately, before the, before the time's over, we're going to end up on Mimi and Pop's bed and we're going to wrestle, man. And I mean, we're going to wrestle. We're going to drop a bow and we're going to, we're going to, man, we're going to get into it and we're going to hit pillows and somebody's going to throw a pillow and knock me, Mimi's favorite lamp over and, and the, oh, they did it. They did it, you know. And we were in there wrestling one day and, and things were getting a little intense. And somehow or another, I, I was on the side of the bed and the boys were throwing the pillows and hitting each other with a pillow. Well, all I noticed was that that one of the boys, a little boy named Noah, Noah was kind of head diving 
towards uh, the little table. There's a little metal book table kind of right beside the bed there. And I thought, oh, man, this isn't going to be good. He's going to get hurt. There's going to be blood everywhere. I'm going to get blamed, you know. And so, so just, just out of a natural reaction, I reached over and grabbed him. And when I grabbed him, I grabbed his uh, kind of his thigh, uh, his uh, calf, you know. And I grabbed him and jerked him back from the table and kind of threw him on the bed. And he screamed, you know. And so I thought, man, he was hurt. I did, he must have hit the table. And so I, I get him all straightened up. And, I, and just by the time I'm trying to say something to him, he screams again and he takes off running. And he runs out into the room where he vets at and he goes, Mimi, 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 Pop hurt me. Pop hurt me. I was like, Pop hurt you? Pop's the hero here. I, I, I saved your life, kid. What do you know? I mean, come on, let's get a right perspective about this. What did, what is going on here? Pop hurt me. Pop hurt me. So I'm coming out there and I'm getting ready to plead my case to the ruler of the, you know, and so I was like, no, 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 I didn't. And, uh, and I looked down and there's a mark on his leg and I'm going, oh man. I said, I'm so, so sorry. I, I hate that, but the pain, pain has a purpose sometimes in our lives. And instead of just thinking that it's all something bad, we need to embrace it. There's a story of a guy named D.L. Moody. Maybe you've heard of D.L. Moody, one of the great preachers and evangelists of years ago. And one Sunday night, he's having a, a church service in his church in Chicago, and he preaches and he's warning everybody and telling everybody how they need to be ready to go to heaven. And, and, and he says, I'm telling you what, you need to take this so seriously. I'm not going to give anybody the opportunity to come forward and accept the Lord tonight. You go home and think about it this week and come back serious, ready to fully commit your life to Jesus. And they dismiss the service as they're dismissing the service People are walking out and they're walking out of the church hearing fire sirens going on. Because that was the same night that Mrs. O'Leary's cow kicked over the lantern and started the great Chicago fire of years ago where over 300 people died. The story says that uh, some of the people that died had been in that service that night. It's so pierced, it's so wounded, D.L. Moody's heart, it broke him so much that he became physically ill. But he made a determination. He said, I will never again have a service where I do not give people the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ. And because of that, history tells us that D.L. Moody won over a million people to Jesus. That pain worked a purpose in his life today. It worked a purpose in his life. You see, brokenness is this place where we look beyond the finite abilities of ourself and then we tap into and we welcome the infinite strength, the character, and the presence of God, of Jesus Christ in us, the presence of God to fill us. I, I believe that's what God wants to do today. You know, Jesus um, loved Peter. He really, really loved Peter. And he loved him right where he was. He loved him in, in, in his failure. But you know what? He loved him too much to let him stay there. Jesus came to him to help him up, to help him up. I love that. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 6 puts it like this. It says, a righteous man, okay, not a sinner, heathen man, but a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up. He gets up. Anybody ever had to get up? Anybody had to get up? I've had to get up. He, he gets up. There's lots of places where we could see that this is true with Jesus and Peter, but I think John 21 brings us to a very special picture that we're going to kind of wrap up with here today. 
Now, Jesus, at this point in time, he's been crucified. He's been buried, placed in the tomb. He's been there for three days. He, he's resurrected, and now he's out showing himself to many people. And there were a couple of times he specifically said, hey, go tell Peter, remind Peter, go to Galilee and wait for me because I'm going to come and meet you there. Well, while they go to Galilee, that was kind of Peter's home area. And while he was back at home, you know what he did? He said, man, I'm just tired of sitting around here waiting. I'm going fishing. Scholars are not sure if he was just going fishing to have fun or if he was going back to his old way of life. Um, scripture says that he went out and fished all night long, but he didn't catch anything. I think if you're just having fun, you don't fish all night long and catch anything and not catch anything, right? If I'm out there not catching anything, I'm going home. Okay? <laughs> I think he'd gone back to, to what he knew. The scripture picks up there and it says that Jesus came to the area of Galilee and it says, Therefore, the guys are out in the boat fishing, and Jesus is on the shore. And it says, Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, Look, Peter, it's the Lord. Jesus had just said, You guys, did you catch anything? No, ah, throw your net on the other side. And they caught a whole bunch of stuff. That had happened before. You know what I think is interesting? I think that Jesus, it's so interesting that, that Jesus comes back to the place where he first met Peter. Peter's out in the boat, and he says, Hey, Peter, I haven't forgot where you came from but I'm still here for you. I'm, I'm, I, he brings us back to those places where he was catching fish. He brings us back to the shore. And then the scripture said that, that when he heard that it was Lord Simon Peter put on his outer garment and he plunged into the sea. Once he jumps into the, into the water and, he, and then it says that he swam up there and he dragged the, the, the fish net. And as soon as they came to land, they saw a fire of coals there and the fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said, bring the, some of the fish that you have just caught. What do you think about that? Peter ran to, well, swam to Jesus. He got to Jesus as quick as he could. I don't think a man who feels condemned and who feels rejected and he feels shame jumps out of the boat and acts like that to get to Jesus. I think he said, man, Jesus showed me eyes of love and eyes of, of approval and, and I'm going to get to him. How about this? Coals of fire. The fish are laid over coals of fire. Jesus brings Peter right back to the coals of fire. Remember when he was warming his hands and he denied Jesus? And then, then we see this. Jesus says, hey, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Jesus, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you, man. Peter says, uh, Jesus says to him again, do you really love me? Jesus, you know everything. <laughs> you know that I love you. And I know what Jesus said. Peter, I know you love me. Now go feed my sheep. Brings him back to the place of his failure to launch his future. For some of us, we've been bound in our failures too long. It's time to move into our futures. Amen? It's time to move into our futures. D don't miss this. Peter's failure did not dictate his future. You see, only Jesus gets that power in our lives. Only Jesus gets that authority in our lives. And if we were to fast forward just a little bit, we'd see that from that point, Peter is with the disciples when on the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit falls and, they're, and then Peter's the one that stands up and he preaches the first message. Now filled with the Spirit, he preaches and 3,000 people come to know Jesus. They come to experience life transformation through the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. The, the foundation of the church is built. No longer is, he Pete, no longer is he Simon, man who's building his own reputation. Now he is truly Peter, the rock. And the church is being built. We looked one more chapter. Chapter 4, we'd see that 
that Peter's been out preaching, all these great things are going on, and now the authorities want to know. They want to know what Peter's doing. And so, you know where they bring Peter? They bring Peter to the high priest's house. Once again, they bring him to that place where he had failed. And this time, instead of being, uh, you know, the little girl looking at him and people accusing him and him, him kind of wilting and melting, you know what he does? It says that he stood up and he answered them and he told them about what had transpired. They told, he told them about Jesus. And then the people looked at him and said, what is going on with this man? He speaks so intelligently, even though he's an ignorant fisherman, right? And then you know what the Bible says? It says they noted his boldness. And they said, he has been with Jesus. Today, I want you to know that God's plan and purpose for your life. Hey, can I say this to you? You're needed in the work of the kingdom of God. You are needed in the body of Christ. And if you believe for one minute that your failure, and I put this earlier in my notes and kind of went over it, but as I was praying for this time, I believe that there's some people that very specifically need to hear that your failures do not mark you and do not keep you from the amazing plan and purpose that God has for your life. God has so much for, more for you than you can ever imagine. So don't, no matter what your situation is, don't let it keep you from Jesus today. Welcome His presence in your life and, and just embrace His purpose for your life today like you've never done before. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's stand together, all right? I want to encourage you, maybe, uh, maybe there have been some things in your family where there's a work of restoration that needs to be done. Welcome Jesus into those things. Maybe there's been something in a business situation, a ministry situation, whatever, whatever the situation, a relationship, a, a financial issue. Maybe there's been some point of failure. Can I tell you today, Jesus is looking at you. He sees you. He knows you. And he says, hey, listen. I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you today. I know that it's traditional. I'm not sure how it's done here, but it's traditional a lot of times in these closing moments of services to say, hey, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and all that. Can we go against tradition just a little bit today? Is that okay? All right. I don't want to get stoned. Is that okay today? Yeah. What I'd like us to do is I'd like us to just kind of lift our heads and open our eyes and just uh, say, Holy Spirit today. Holy Spirit today, help me to see the eyes of Jesus like I've never seen them before. Eyes that, that look at me with love and grace and mercy and kindness. Eyes that say, yeah, you may have failed, but you're not a failure. You're a son of righteousness. You're, you're my, you're, I've got a plan and a purpose for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you do that right now. Just help us all to see you in a, a fresh new way and to know that when you see us, it brings delight to your heart, God. If I could just stretch us one little bit more, how about if we just uh, take our arms and just lift them up like this and say, God, I just want to be embraced in your goodness and in your love today. God, I, I want you to truly, not, not just be a song, but I want you to, to just rule my life. I, I no longer 
put my, any trust in myself or my own abilities, my own thoughts, my own ideas, my own agenda. I, 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 I pour it all out and I embrace, I embrace the fullness of your presence in my life. God, come into my life and forgive me of my sins and work in my life. Heal, God, the hurting and the broken places, God. God, and I just pray right now that the scars, God, of those failures of the past would become testimonies of your greatness, of your power, of your love, of, of your redeeming and restoring ability in my life, that it'll be a testimony as I walk, God, into the future and into the fullness of what you have for my life. I welcome you now, Jesus, just to do that. For it's in your amazing, wonderful name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, family time. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only He can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.